Welcome to Booking the Territory Season 2, where we look at the beginnings and ends, the first and last, the alphas and omegas of professional wrestling. Hello everyone and welcome to Championship Wrestling at ringside. This is Vince McMahon with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno Sammartino. And this week we'll take a long, hard look at Mr. Wonderful, Paul Lundor. Indeed, I'm curious to watch him in the ring to see if he's going to be like he's been, which is, which is unbelievable. I'm still shocked over Paul Orndorff. Also, by the way, to join us will be the rebel Dick Slater, who meets one-on-one competition with Jimmy Jack Puck. That should be a very interesting matchup. Plus, we've been told of a one-of-a-kind this week. We're going to have a coronation, the crowning of the king of professional wrestling. Let's go to ringside. I'm one half of your hosting duo, Dan Griffin, joined as ever by my partner in podcasting, Pissheader UTT. Rob, Rob, how are you, mate? Um, I'm good, Dan, I'm good. I think I'm moving spring up to my favourite season. Used to be winter, but now that's too fucking cold. Summer's too fucking warm. <laughs> Autumn's a bit miserable. <laughs> so I'm pushing spring in, so... You've, you've had a busy week then, you've had a lot of time to think about this. Oh, yeah, well, when I've been out, being able to, uh, you know paint the fence, which I've been staring at all winter, going, oh, God, <laughs> it's another cut of bronze seal. <laughs> Why did I leave it so late last year? You just happened to accidentally order a backlog of those uh, those bronze seal beers that Northern Monk did. Yeah, and Nicky Bella didn't come around and do it this year, so uh, I had to do it myself. You're still, you're still going to ride on that forever, aren't you? Yeah, I was still on that. No, that's one of the tweets I had the most interaction of. <laughs> Oh, well, you're having a you're having a better week than me, mate. I must say. I, uh, after our last recording, I uh, I'd had uh, I'd had a, f- a few beers. I didn't think I was over drunk, but uh, found out that my uh, my medication doesn't mix with uh, uh, doesn't mix with hangovers. So that was interesting for a few hours last Saturday morning. And uh, I mentioned before recording uh, to you, Rob, but not to our guest. I've got a uh, a little tale of, of a me injury. Those of a sensitive disposition may not want to listen. First off is the dumb one, the dumb injury. Um, went bowling for the first time in about 10 years this week. About the start of the fifth, yeah, the first frame in the second game it was. The hole that my finger was in was a little bit too tight and I fucked up the release and the uh, £12 ball bent my middle finger back. Oh. Um, and there was, a, there was a crunch, but nothing broken or dislocated, just very uncomfortable. That's a, a pretty me injury, I think you'll agree. The second one is, as people may know, if you follow me on Twitter, if I've mentioned on here or other podcasts, uh, I've been trying to drop a bit of weight, so walking a lot more. And uh, and as we all know, it's it's getting a wee bit warm at the minute. And there's a gentleman who of generous carriage whose thighs are warm to meet in the middle. I've taken Chubb up to a new low when I found out at work that I'd rubbed my gooch raw and my seam was bleeding between my ball sack and my arsehole. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> You've scraped the bottom of the barrel now, Dan. <laughs> I know, I know. I just wanted to see the look on your lovely faces. But I'm all well and good now, and we're taking another trip back in time tonight to some uh, some 1980s WWF, which means that we had to go back to our Season 2 roots uh, for our guest tonight. Long overdue second appearance on Season 2. The last name's changed, but the first name remains the same. It's the magnificent Matt Lewis. How are you, mate? I am very well, thank you, sir. At least very, I've heard that story. As a, as a chef and of someone who is of equally um, generous carriage, um, I can I can say I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, wet, worn it, ironed it, put it away, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, 
I figured at least one of you would understand. You know, it's, you have uh, my sympathy, sir. You have my full sympathy, and with the um, and with the bowling as well. <laughs> Been there, done that as well. Think like, are you are you the lighter ball to get more launch? Yeah, I didn't want my hand to go with it. No, no, no. But yeah, been there, done that as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great to see you again. And of course, uh, as I mentioned on the Doctor Who pod when I talked to your other half, we've have we've actually met in person now. We have fantastic. We, we had not just you, but also your 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 partner in drinking, uh, Mister Rob, of course, as well. Uh, you, collectively, you you both were amazing and came to my my reception, and I will never forget that you literally made an entire journey. Out of and people were following you across Twitter of of your of your, <laughs> your journey from Tut North down to Tut South uh, to, um, to to come to little old um, Woodbridge and suffer through the terrible taxi um, problems that were beset that town, which actually oh. came on to the next day because same taxi firm, Alex and the whole of the Dungeon Junkies lot had booked a taxi through the same company for the next morning to take them back to their place in Woodbridge, the whole lot, all their bookings were lost due to someone hacking their system. Mm. Lost. Hacked. Yeah. Hack. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, to be fair, we couldn't access the website to book it. The website was actually out of action. So we, we, fu- we fucked up all the plug. <laughs> <laughs> and they were on hold for, the matter on hold for 45 minutes trying to get through them because the phones were so jammed because people weren't getting their taxis. So people were having to phone up and rebook everything. They had to go through all the same thing again. It was incredibly inconvenient for everybody. So I'm saying uh, you weren't the only ones who suffered taxi problems. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a mad trip, but it was a fun one. It it took us nearly half as long to get from uh, to get from Woodbridge to the venue as it did for us to get from the north to Woodbridge. <laughs> what, but but you can speak from experience. Here. What do you think of the manor? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Especially, especially, especially when we walked into the main house because we weren't sure where to go. <laughs> oh, that's okay because I thought I saw you guys walk through the thing. You walked right fucking past me. I was like, they turned up two hours fucking late, and then they walked right past me, and then I got tackle hugged by Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that's the affirmation, Chris Harris, of course, um, of of many former podcasts, of course. He's overdue a comeback as well, actually, on this show. If you'll ever, if you'll ever yeah. want to again, after spending well, after spending a combined ten hours in a car with us, I, I don't know if he's uh, well, if he's, he's up for it. He's actually in line to actually be the third man in in a future product review media. So that, that, that <laughs> should be interesting. Oh, as if we didn't rinse him enough on the way down to uh, to Woodbridge, Robbie. Well, I was just going to say that that normally I, I run I run past my podcast fairies by Chris before I speak to you, so. I mean, he's he's already had a full debriefing on my mid south opinions for next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great stuff! Well, thank, well, thanks for bringing it round to wrestling because, uh, in true UTT fashion, uh, last time you were on that, we had you looking at the the first episode of WWF Superstars, and uh, we've brought it right back around to the show that aired the week before this, which we probably should have done first, but we didn't because we didn't know it existed. Uh, we're looking at the last episode of WWF Championship Wrestling from August 30th, 1986. It does explain one of my moments later on. <laughs> <laughs> but before we and, get there... I was just going to say, Dan, we're on a bit of a timer with this one, and I'm glad we've finally uh, made our notes and got together to record it, because 
the reason we're doing it is the WWE are, are, are whipping down the championship wrestling from YouTube because they're cleaning them up and putting them on the network. So this may be gone for a couple of years very shortly. So um, I mean, I'll have, to, I'll have to watch this without the wonderful uh, normal tracking icons that came. <laughs> That's why it's going to take them a couple of years, but I, I saw them disappearing from YouTube as well, um, you know, a couple of years in advance of what they've already loaded up, and I was like, right, we've got to, we've got to get on this now. So. Rob, Rob's been good shit, shit, shit for about three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but before we get there, are we drinking, lads? Mr Lewis, are you having a beverage? I am having a beverage. I'm, I'm all out of... I had a lovely case of Stormtrooper um, ale got for me for my wedding present, a wedding present from somebody. Uh, I've used all that, unfortunately, so I couldn't use one of those for tonight. Uh, I'm all out of all beer and cider. I've got a bottle of champagne, which I've been forbidden from drinking. Um, <laughs> so instead, I started on some lovely salted caramel vodka liqueur, which was one of our wedding presents from Tip Tree. The famous Very nice. Tip Tree, obviously, are famous for their jams. Also, so that sort of caramel vodka, it's absolutely fucking banging. I know, I know what I'd rather have on my toast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually being, and it's actually in my, uh, in my Matt Lewis castle made glass I had for my wedding as well. So that's uh, all round. That's a, that's a quality product on things tonight. That's far too far too classic for this establishment. Oh, believe me, if I had, if I. Believe me, give me, give me, give me a good ale every any time. Mother-in-law has literally got a, I literally got a counter full of ales and and beers and ciders. I'm like, I love going around to see her. I can't be why. <laughs> Same reason you love going around to Rob's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we've actually moved the beer cupboard now because it was overflowing. So it's got because I, I kept finding it. Yeah, no, no. So it's it's in because you know it was in sort of like one of those sort of narrow cupboards. Now it's in like a full-sized cupboard. <laughs> I just imagine you one day getting the filing cabinet from Bruce Almighty that just keeps opening and opening and opening and opening. Well, the trouble is it goes off if you don't drink it fast enough. <laughs> so I'm into stock rotation as well. I've got to like put the knees up at the back. It's... <laughs> and the chef, I approve. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the booze version of the local shop from League of Gentlemen. You never sell any of it. You just keep accruing more. Well, after those ones exploded on me over the summer, I've become very conscious of beer management. <laughs> Speaking of beer management, what are you making your way through tonight? Right, so I've had these on the side for a while, just in case I needed to be doing something afterwards. And there is a, a very distinct possibility Rob Taxi will be needed after this recording. So I've got some non-alcoholic beers. Who are you? Non-alcoholic beers? Who no, are you? Letting the side down, letting the side down. Um, although they are all beers I've not had before, which uh, ticks the box of me being um, an, an untapped uh, addict. So... This is from Ilkley Brewery. It's a now Mary. It's an alcohol-free milk stout, which is quite nice, actually. And then after that, I've got another Ilkley Brewery, Maiden Mary, which is an alcohol-free pale ale. And then I've got a Klosthalter, which is an unfiltered, dry-hopped uh, German uh, non-alcoholic beer. So I wouldn't necessarily say I'm looking forward to them, but I'm looking forward to untapping them. <laughs> Well, you've got to untap them all. We do try and play it like Pokemon, or at least I used to. As I've mentioned, I can't, uh, I can't go through 10 or 12 a night anymore. Uh, but I'm sticking with our good friends at Tartarus. So tonight I'm, I'm testing the water even further with a Loki, which is an 11.2% uh, Black Kavik triple IPA, Ooh. which I've had before and is bloody delicious. Oh, and then, yeah, it, it's immense. The can art's fantastic as well. 
oh my god, that 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 sort of stuff is a bit bit much for 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 a beer, isn't it? Well, as I keep mentioning, uh, at Ferrarat on Twitter, if you want to check out any of their work and maybe get something on commission, go and have a look at that. And then I've got my namesake, which is the Griffin, which is the Belgian Blonde at 6%. And I've got a Kobold, which is the uh, the Hefeweizen at 5.5%. Because Kobold? Yeah, Kobold. The Kobold? That, um, if it, is it that K-O-B-O-L-D by any chance? It is Kobold, K-O-B-O-L-D. Kobold, of course, is a dog-like um, creature which is fightable in Dungeons & Dragons, which you can find me taking part in on VGM every uh, twice a week, usually. What a segue. What a segue. I, I was just about to say, if you want to drink Tartar's beers, you can log on to tartarsbeers.co.uk and put in the promo code UTTPODCAST15 and get 15% off, but, but you stole my segue thunder. <laughs> I'm going to need to get a power strip to accommodate all these plugs. Oh, well, to, to be fair, I don't, I don't, I don't usually get a perfect opportunity to plug D and D on a wrestling-based podcast. Although I did manage to do it on Good Cop, Bad Cop this past week. So I am to please, and we got it in. It's fine. Um, yeah, I was, I was sorry, I got lost in thought then because I was just wondering. There must be somewhere out there a Dungeons and Dra- a Dragons-themed wrestling show. There has to have been somebody attempted it. There actually is a tabletop game out there which actually is wrestling-based, including you do matches and all that sort of stuff. You perform moves and all that during the event itself. I tried putting it to Graham. He hates Dungeons & Dragons, and he refused to even consider it. So I'm saying, fine, fine, I'll find someone who will. I'm yet to find that person. Yeah, sorry, it's not me. I've never... (laughs) I don't have the attention span to put into Dungeons & Dragons. (laughs) You may be perfect for a game that that I've... come across called you awaken in a strange place which is literally two hours of mayhem no prep nothing is continuing on you 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 play the game and then fuck off at the end of it also the title of my autobiography (laughs) (laughs) oh god my my one if i've already got it pre-programmed for once i thought he was going to say something sensible (laughs) 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 oh and if you want to hear that said by uh, a man from, I think it's Chesterfield, who likes to think he's American, listen to Good Cop, Bad Cop. <laughs> and Graham will sort that out for you. Yes, yes, yes. Right, I've got, I got a plug in there for your podcast, which is a bit weird. So tonight, as I say, we're looking at WWF Championship Wrestling, the final episode. I'll be honest, I didn't know this show existed before we, <laughs> before we were going to do this. This is our second Championship Wrestling, because we covered the one that Barry Harwitz's debut was on with Pig Bladders. And I was completely bladdered, obviously, throughout <laughs> the whole thing. I didn't, I didn't fucking re- re- realise. One thing I noticed on this show is that all the microphones had World Championship Wrestling on on the actual thing which goes around the microphone, you know, like the, the, the collar. And I'm like, huh, this isn't, World, that. This isn't World Championship Wrestling. But <laughs> it was a WWF event. But they were it had W it World Championship Wrestling on the on the on the sleeve. I was like, interesting. I just followed that way for later on. That was that was Vince's first first sort of foreign trying to take WCW down. He thought I'm gonna just go nick all the microphones and then the cat do jack shit. Do you know what? It wouldn't shock me. Yeah. We we covered Black Saturday, didn't we, where they got the Georgia Championship Wrestling, World Championship Wrestling TV slot. So I don't, yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe they got some uh, equipment in the deal and they were like, we're going to fucking use it. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> they found Vince like trying to take all the copper wire out of the building. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that, that actual event when GCW 
what well, the GCW slot was stolen by Vince actually won me a episode of a game show called Quiztastic Four. They did a wrestling special, and I uh, I was on it with our good friend Mags actually, and that particular event came up and I got it right and it contributed to my victory on that show. Mind you, I went on there against three people who who knew a lot about wrestling and not blow my own trumpet here. Ah, fuck it, why not? Um, I, I was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great stuff. Uh, I did get a little bit on the background of Championship Wrestling. Yeah. Uh, first aired in uh, 1971, uh, the original television show of the WWF, in fact, was produced uh, under the Worldwide Wrestling Federation banner, uh, initially obviously replaced by superstars of wrestling, as we mentioned. Vince essentially built the syndicated network, uh, persuading local stations to pay for the rights to air the programme, and it's rumoured that certain outlets were paying $100,000 just to air shows like the one we're going to watch tonight. Uh, In its early years, it was taped at the Philadelphia Arena and later in the Allentown Agricultural Hall in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Tony Silver. (laughs) Philadelphia Arena, Dan, is that the um, Philadelphia Spectrum where QVC came from live in the last episode that we reviewed? Why not? (laughs) <laughs> I'm assuming so, why not? <laughs> Typically they take three weeks of television uh, in one night and the uh, the final taping in Allentown took place on June 19th, 1984 with the episodes airing across June 30th, July 7th, July 14th and it was then moved to the Mid-Hudson Civic Centre in Poughkeepsie, New York and the final taping took place there on August the 5th, 1986. Uh, Rob, did you have anything else on the background of it? Well, I just can't believe you haven't said it was the town of Allen for uh, Tony Silver, who'll be listening from the town of Allen. I mentioned Tony Silver, you know, sold it, so I moved on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll edit it to make it look like that. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, as Tony Silver is wont to say, we knew he'd come and I knew you'd catch up eventually. <laughs> oh, Christ. This is a shambles right from the off. I love it. This is what happens when I don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I probably, I probably said this one before, but it always astounds me that every ancient accomplishment everyone did were a bit tipsy because the water wasn't safe to drink, so they drank beer or mead instead. So, you know, the, the pyramids, the Great Library of Alexandria, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, uh, most of Western civilization was built when everyone's a bit tipsy. So, I'm not a drunk, I'm striving for greatness. Mm. You, do, you do know, of course, that in Ireland, when the Vikings came, they came to Ireland and they contaminated the water to, you know, to take over the land sort of thing. So to, because the water was unsafe to drink, they gave the kids beer instead. To which I say they were, well, were they pioneers? No. But <laughs> it, it always makes me laugh that when they say like, oh, the Irish like, like starting early. Well, it's because they had to fucking literally to keep them alive. <laughs> they gave them beer to keep them alive because of the fucking Vikings. So blame the Swedish. I'm not, I'm not a drunk, I'm just a... Uh, I've got legitimate Irish heritage, so I'm, I'm, I'm blaming that. I'm Swedish. Norwegian, not Swedish. I apologise. I was going to say, it's very difficult to get drunk in Sweden. I've tried it on many occasions. <laughs> <laughs> it's, only, it's only difficult because you were looking for a very specific Cloudberry IPA. <laughs> Which I found in being bargains in Colm. But... <laughs> Oh, I'll never get tired of that. I'll never get tired of that. But speaking of things that I'd probably quickly get tired of, uh, what did we reckon to the, the opening of the uh, the Hulk Hogan montage to the Thriller instrumental? 
is the really weird thing is that I watched this and I was like, it was the, the entire opening. This is the opening credits for the whole show. And it was literally Hulk Hogan in every single scene. Yeah. Apart from two, which had a glimpse of Andre's back and a glimpse of the Iron Sheik. Yeah. Apart yeah. from that, it was a Hulk Hogan love fist. And spoiler, I'm aware that this is like <laughs> nearly 40 years ago at this point. Hulk Hogan does not feature at all in this episode. No. Yep. It, it promised it promised a lot of Hogan. It promised a lot of Hogan and did not deliver whatsoever. Although it did throw me off because his music comes up at some point. And I thought, yeah, yeah, mm. it was a strange. Like, one. Like, there goes there goes my figure. One of my things is like, oh, okay, I'll leave that point in then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made, it made you sit up and take notice, didn't it? But we'll get there eventually because we opened up with Vince uh, welcoming him. Welcome, easy for me to welcoming us to the show with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno San Martino, because Larry Zabisco hasn't graduated yet. They're going to take a deep dive into Paul Orndorff. He mentions uh, Dick Slater versus Jimmy Jack Funk coming up and the coronation of the king of pro wrestling. Excitement. Ironically, seeing if we just had a coronation here in the United Kingdom, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I prefer Harley Race, to be honest. Well, well, to be fair, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the King we have. I suppose nothing wrong with him, I guess, if you, if you like that sort of thing. But I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I've got, uh, I've got James from uh, from Cafe de Rene in my head, just going, "Don't get political on a podcast." <laughs> <laughs> after, after this week's the Doctor Who podcast, where you called the baddies Liz, Rishi, and Boris. Well, there were there were great Tories. Uh, abolish the monarchy. Uh, anyway, we <laughs> open up with uh, Randy Savage versus Mario Mancini. Which I think was an IC title match. Uh, well, uh, the thing is, it was not announced as such, but it, I checked on wrestlingfandom.com and it does, it was officially an IC title match. And, um, and Cage and, match agreed. And uh, I will say as well, the second shortest IC title match in TV history. Oh, fantastic. Oh. Well, they the announced Mario Mancini was from Milford, Connecticut. I don't, I don't know if either of you watched Arrested Development. But they used to send people to the Milford school because Milford men were neither seen nor heard. So, wow. <laughs> Mario Mancini's doing. <laughs> I don't know. We saw a lot of Mancini in this match. Though. I thought he was uh, his selling was uh, was on point. If if a little of objection, Your Honour. Overall, objection. Mancini didn't try to kick out any of the covers at any point. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm realising I'm thinking of a match later on. I completely forgot who Mancini is. He didn't try to kick off any cover at any point. Every time Savage had to pull him up off the cover. I'm like, I, I just, I just thought that was Savage being a bastard. Well, to be fair, to be fair, there were, there were one counts. I grant you, but even so, no point did he try to kick out at any point. He didn't really do a great deal of selling, and the fact is that we actually missed the cover, the win. Because we were go, we were picture in picture at the time. Oh, that pissed me off. And this happens more than once during the show. Yeah. Um, we were picture in picture of George Seal. Subtitles, please, it would be great. Um, because I believe the crux of the, the the crux of what he was ever so eloquently putting across was Lisbeth Nice. Yeah, I, I have to say though, as bad as this was, this is a step up from the last episode of Championship Wrestling. Um, 
that we've we've watched because when we watched that um, one with Barry Howitz with pig bladders, they just put really loud adverts for the upcoming events over the top of the stuff. Oh God, yeah, they did. <laughs> that, that was terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah the, the picture in picture, it was. I found it very distracting. I can sometimes pay attention to two screens at once with two different things playing, but when I've got a little tiny thing with a shouty man in it, that's going to attract my attention. <laughs> yeah, I think we actually saw that Shelton Benjamin had that recently, oh, as recently, about the last six months on WTV, and, and it never happens anymore on actual TV, WWE, AEW. It doesn't happen anymore. I like a bit of picture in picture. In, in general, yeah. picture. I don't think they uh, knocked it out of the park with the way that they did it this evening. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. Um, I, I, I say um, he was in um, Savage in full heel mode, obviously, um, at the time, and I'm for, I'm all for that. Savage, 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 when he was a heel, was one of the best heels. He knew how to play both sides of it really well, like anyone who's in the business should know how to do. Yeah, there's there's not a lot to write home about about this match. It, it is not savage, a, not, just not a being a brick. Minutes, no, <laughs> no, he did a solid gut wrench suplex, and and he, like you say, Matt, he knew how to knew how to play to the crowd for the heat, and it was it was what it was. It was yeah. fine. The one thing that really stood out to me though in this match was the the funny little crawl that Savage did to get to the uh, to get to the pin when he realised he was going over time. The mocking of George the Animal Heel. I thought I have to be down to mocking George Steele is what I imagine what I'll put you down to. See, I, I was wondering that, but then I realised I don't think I've ever seen George Steele in anybody before this show. Mm. But my memory is terrible, as we've already ascertained, because I confused this match with one later in the show, and I only watched it yesterday. This is what happens when I stay sober for a prolonged period. I can't even blame the booze for my memory. Mancini bounced well. I think that's uh, all we got from him, really. Yeah, he was really good at lying down. Mm. Um, yeah. I, 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 I have nothing to add. It was it was it's serviceable. I will say that because I'm, I had mentioned it was the second shortest that I could find. I mentioned the shortest one actually is Ed versus Lance Storm in Canada, one minute twelve seconds. Oh. Wow. On Monday Night Raw. <laughs> but he says he was booked better there than WCW for some reason. <laughs> Oh, don't start Rob down this road again. Lance Storm is very proud of that, though. He's very proud of having the record of the shortest IC title match of all time. Well, I mean, this is probably what Mancini was thinking. You know, if if he'd had the shortest, at least it might be memorable. <laughs> Maybe. Well, Maybe. We're talking about Lance Storm, who was famous for for being, you know, for having a wooden character, and and we get Mean Gene doing his best uh, Lance Storm impression. They're the perfect leading for you, dude. <laughs> yeah, just he's saying that. WWF is bulging at the seams with tremendous talent and throws into uh, a promo from a down-home boy making good in the city, Billy Jack Haynes. And just Gene, Gene was far from his best on that intro. I have to say, I've got it written down here. Mean Gene sounded terrible. It's like he was reading off an autocue that wasn't scrolling properly. I think he'd probably done about 50 of these already. Well, you mentioned that this was multiple recordings being done on the same night. That would explain a great deal. Yeah. So then how many how many of these were the bulk taking just mean Gene doing intro after intro after intro or something like that? It was it it wasn't great. And then just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, Billy Jack Haynes comes along yeah, and gives got... generic babyface promo number seven. Yeah, and I've and I've got here I've written down here, ride a cock horse to Banbury Cross to see a fine lady upon a white horse. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, we did see a bare-chested Billy Jack Haynes on a on a horse, which which probably isn't very safe. It was a white horse. It, it, I did I did get some Putin vibes. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he Billy, like, Billy Jack Hainovich. He was literally, he was literally. I think that maybe five. He was maybe five or ten buttons away from appearing on the front of Attitude magazine. <laughs> It, it was a really weird promo as well, wasn't it? Because it was like, I want to say hi to everyone in Oregon. <laughs> I love everyone in Oregon. I wear Oregon on the back of my pants. It's like, that's really specific, you know? It was yeah. really odd. But, he's, you know, he's in the best shape of his life and amongst top, uh, top talent. And he's going to win with a full Nelson. Uh, a full Nelson any way I can. So, is that, is that, that's not winning any way he can. It's getting the full Nelson on any way he can. It's like a Randy Orton out of nowhere, but a full Nelson. You can't really do that out of nowhere, can you? No. <laughs> it's quite a setup. It's, it's a very specific application. <laughs> and then we get a, sh- a shot of the uh, of the cover of the magazine after Gene plugs it in. It's not Billy Jack Haynes at all. It's King Kong Bundy. Sorry, sorry about the background noise. Um, my parents are watching uh, watching the rugby. Fair enough. That'll come out. Getting very, getting very, getting very excited at Leeds Rhinos. Rugby's, rugby's finished. No proper rugby. Yeah, it's finished. I'm not rising to that. Uh, next up, we have uh, George the Animal Steel and Junkyard Dog versus Mister X and the Gladiator. And I, I've got to admit, I miss it when I miss people being referred to as from parts unknown. Into that one, Dan. Mean Gene references about Billy Jack Haynes that is the best at the full Nelson since since Charles Atlas. And Charles Atlas A wasn't a wrestler; he was a bodybuilder. And B died in 1972 at the age of 80. So <laughs> it's like who would have known anything about him? Or... Well, in the 80s, who knows? If, uh... Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I, 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 me and Gene had me so unenthused, I didn't even bother to look him up. Mm. Well, Mr. The Gladiator and Mr. X um, from Parts Unknown, I'm like, eh. Well, Mr. X was uh, Danny Davis. Uh, and not the Mr. X we saw in HCW, that was a pretend Mr. X, because they couldn't get the real one in. Who couldn't even get down to count the three, so just stamped his foot. Yeah, and the gladiator is uh, Rick Hunter from World of Sport fame. Um, he was also in the AWA and uh, New Japan. Debuted in 1962. Oh, fair wow, enough. So he, would have, so he he was like 24 years into business at this point then. Oh, good for him. I mean, I, I mean, I was surprised to see Junkyard Dog and Animal Steel on the same team, uh, even in some commentary, not a commercial pairing. I'm like, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> did enough did enough to get me intrigued though and I, I quite like this with you know the, the chasing off the uh the heel jobbers at the minute so the you know there's no shenanigans at the start and george is doing his whole shtick chasing off mr x and eating the turnbuckle and all that and then bless him sam martino he really tried on commentary to to hype up just how unnerving george the animal steel is he, he did he did and i've got to say that I saw him rip the rip the pad, and I was like, "That's brilliant! That's that's nice to see that he's doing it here." And I saw him throw it at the referee. I'm like, "Well, DQ him then," and he didn't. But the commentary team did call it out. What do you think was in that turnbuckle? Because it didn't look like padding. It it looked like flour to me. It was fluff. It was fluff inside. Yeah, it was like feathers and things. Uh, I don't know if it was just the the way it came across. It just seemed very powdery. I don't know. If, uh... 
It may have been like them, like them, you know, you rip open one of those, what's it called? Um, bean bags. All right, yeah, yeah. Get with little balls in there. Which reminds me, actually, it's really funny. It's a bit of a segue. Uh, this weekend when we were recording, by the way, we were recording just before the Monaco Grand Prix. And every year, Red Bull rock up with a big boat in the in the harbour and fill and fill their swimming pool up and everything, and um, they do a dive into the swimming pool after the race is finished. They're not allowed to this year because there's a hose pipe and swimming pool ban in Monaco. <laughs> so they filled it with with full, with loads and loads of those white balls from a, from a from a kid play park, basically. I thought you were going to say they filled it with Red Bull and they were going to dive into that. Well, to be fair, that was requ- that was suggested by about a hundred people on Twitter. However, that would be very sticky after the, afterwards. <laughs> At least the balls it won't. Well, the you can go so deep in balls. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not mature enough to. I'm not mature enough to see it to hear a sentence like that. I'm, I'm going to leave it there. It, it, it um. Yeah, it was. Um, we also had um, Patreon picture here again. Of course, we had the honky tonk man, um, de- debuting in Patreon picture. And then while it was happening, Dunk your dog got the one, two, three, or four. It even finished. Yeah, yeah. It, just it, another, just another thing that honky tonk man's presence has ruined. And but then it's even worse than that because then they even called honky tonk man out to the ring to cut a promo. For his debut, this is his debut. Let's not remember, guys. Um, his <laughs> debut, and he's literally about to start, and they cut him off. They cut away from it. They did the right thing. Maybe. It was almost like one of those open mic night things where they've got like the the walking stick and they pull him off by the neck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, he was all over the place here because he's um, saying in this picture in picture promo about being in uh, Memphis and uh, that he uh, rang his daddy up and asked him what he should do and he said get like your grandma's salad tongs tell him to jump in and get some I, I mean that just makes no sense at all although I do like a salad tongs in wrestling reference because it reminds us of Tank Abbott um, versus Big Al hold uh, <laughs> out some salad tongs according to Mark Martin of definitely not a knife yeah, this uh, this was a fucking mess. To be quite honest, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. This whole show was a mess. When he cut his promo in the ring, he said he'd come from Nashville after saying on the previous promo he'd come from Memphis. It's all Tennessee. Well, he may he may come from Memphis, but to be fair, he may have said. But in fairness, he may have come from Nashville that night. He could have done. It's just a shame he didn't come from Knoxville because uh, we've had some Knoxville experience recently. <laughs> It's just a shame he didn't. It's just a shame he showed up. Yeah, but at least they cut him off. That was the uh, long short bit. Yeah, yeah, that was a good bit. But yeah, again, nothing to really write home about in the ring because I think it was even shorter than the first match. Did you notice that Vince McMahon called him Wayne Ferris, the Honky Tonk Man? Oh yeah, I did know that you mentioned it. Yeah. But again, I refuse to pay that much attention to anything involving the Honky Tonk Man. Oh, everything that Vince McMahon says. Well, that, yeah, because all this commentary just rolls into one. Indeed. Indeed. We were a good seven years away from JR at this point, so... Yeah, yeah. But at least we had, at least Sam Martino got a word in edgewise at some point. And I forgot to mention, actually, on the opening match, we had a little bit of uh, Sam Martino uh, dissecting the finish on the replay. 
which uh, we enjoy, I believe we enjoyed in the Superstars of Wrestling, and it was nice to see it the week before as well. It was nice to see, you know, Sam Martin actually doing what an analyst should be doing. Yeah, yeah, they just it just didn't there just wasn't enough Sam Martino and too much Vince. Uh, next up, we're with some dude talking about a show coming oh, up at the Boston Garden. Dude, damn, this is Roller Jam's own Ken Resnick. Can I just say I that I thought I recognised him. Can I just say that was him Ken Resnick? Yeah, he literally has the worst wig I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that that didn't get past the Roller Jam authorities. They made him have his real hair. And if that's <laughs> and if that's his real hair, my God, I'd send it back. It's the, uh, it's the he's gone to Michael Fabricant's uh, wig specialist. That's worse. That's worse than Howard Finkel's toupee he wore those years later. Oh, bless Fink! I, oh, we need to mention that at the start of the show. Howard Finkel on the on the evening announcing, "May he rest in peace." Yeah, I, just, I, I love listening to Fink ring announce. It just throws me right back to my childhood watching Raw. He was the best. Yeah, leave out leave out the um, the tuxedo versus the evening gown match between him and Lin Garcia after the two thousand and two SummerSlam. Though I think basically ignore everything after two thousand. I, I was just about to say I, I watched too long of uh, WrestleMania fourteen the other day and ended with that awful Trish and uh, Lin Garcia and uh, Howard Finkel segment. Yeah. That's that SummerSlam two thousand two. Um, yeah, well, yeah, well, because yeah, oh, yeah. Is, is wrong, yeah. no, well, yes, because I watched WrestleMania 14 and then I watched SummerSlam 2002 straight after for what we're doing next week. It is a fun moment because the next night on Raw, he comes out with Stacey Keebler backing him up, and then he basically tells um, Lillian and Trish that, that like all blondes, he they should be on their, they should be down on their knees, flat on their back. He returns them and three blondes beat him up, basically, which is fun until you see Howard's drawers are stained. Uh, like, oh, oh. We, don't, we don't need to see that. Lovely. We don't need to see that. But now, but now you guys haven't got to because I've given you the image, so that's fine. But morbid curiosity might get the better of me. <laughs> But anyway, Ken Resnick's here, and we're, he's hyping up the show at the Boston Garden, and I'm amazed you haven't made a satellite base reference yet, Rob, for the amount of times we go back here. I was going to Dan, but I'm a non-alcoholic beer, so I didn't really think it was fair, especially when you're drinking 11% stout. Oh, thank fuck for that. I don't have to do it. Um, so drink. Well, we are in satellite base, so oh, drink. Fucking hell. Hoisted by my own petard. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he's hyping the show at the Boston Garden that we've that we covered in our, in our first episode of season two. And this all feels eerily familiar, doesn't it, lads? Because Macho comes in and he starts talking about the Boston Garden and burying the myth, the legend, and the reputation of George the Animal Steel and how he lost to him before and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. He, he fair, Savage cuts an okay promo, but given that it's all, given that this is all leading up to an event which has, not happened, but has happened, but not happened. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like, eh. yeah. You know? He ended on a half decent line saying, "Once in a lifetime, someone comes along who's all stars and glitter, but he matches one uh, one in ten thousand lifetimes." That was fine, but it, it, Macho on his day is a is a really good promo. He can get a little bit rambly and and lost in it sometimes. 
Well, that's why that's, that's why he was so good at doing things like Slim Jim. Oh yeah, because he only had to say "snap" into a Slim Jim. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that's that probably also the reason why um, my my boss now, Adam Paris, the owner of CXW, decided to dress up as him for promoting all of um, CXW stuff. You probably see it on all of my Facebook there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like that you dropped into the group chat about tickets uh, Tickets going out fast. I've got to be honest, mate, I barely can make it to Leeds from York for a Friday I night show. You. <laughs> I wasn't meaning you. Hey, and, uh, and another time, like four or five years ago, I'd have probably tried it. I'd have probably attempted that, but those uh, those days are long behind. But I, w- I wouldn't mind uh, wouldn't mind getting down for a CXW show because obviously I'm very familiar with uh, with a good chunk of the roster. Yeah, um, I, I'm interviewing Big F in Joe that night as well. I, I keep seeing adverts for his for his deathmatch duds on Instagram. I see him on Facebook all the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm friends with him on Facebook, so I'm, yeah. actually, I'm actually friends with him. So it's really weird how um, how you've been naming all these people deathmatch stuff. I'm like, yeah, I know him. Yeah, I know him. <laughs> I'm watching a, a deathmatch this time next week. So. He's in the Rise Deathmatch, uh, Rise Extreme Rumble tomorrow in Hull. Mm, yeah, he's he, he's going to be challenging for the CXW Extreme Championship, which is defended twenty four seven. Anywhere. Oh, no. last last time he had a twenty four seven title, he ended up nearly drowning Darwin in a B and B toilet. <laughs> he's um well he's well Darwin facing the the fearless flatliner um, at CXW. Uh, first time ever, I believe. Uh, first time ever, yes. First time ever, yes. I've been uh, paying attention. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Danny Darko, Big F and Joe, and Michael Caton in a freeway dance for the um, Extreme Championship. All of whom I believe are part of the Deathmatch Club. Deathmatch Outlaws. Deathmatch Outlaws. So fun, fun, fun thing about Danny Darko. Uh, mm-hmm. We were in uh, we were at a Bradford show once, and he, he tested out a uh, a weapon that he planned to use in in a deathmatch on me when I was. Shit faced. It was a uh, a nerf gun, but each each nerf dart had a, a thumbtack push spike first through the end of it. It it didn't work. It just bounced off my tummy. It was That's a shame. Quite the tummy indeed. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, I've got the old beer belly. It's, it's practically made of made of rubber at this point. I will say it's amazing because last time I went to a show, I went with Joey Naylor, the bad boy brand, Joey Naylor. And I actually took, I actually got booted of carrying his kendo stick from his car to the ring. And I'm like, this, and like, it hurts. That thing will rip <laughs> your skin. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, people, people, people joke about kendo sticks. They really shouldn't. It says a lot about the quality of the show that we just got lost talking about de- uh, deathmatch wrestling for a few minutes there. Sorry, Rob, do you want to come back into the room and we'll talk about Paul Andorff versus Tommy Sharp? I do want to come back in the room because you left him with drinking non-alcoholic beer, Dan. You know what's happened? What? Untap whack. Oh. I think you've overtaken. I think you've overtaken me now. It's the the first checking on Untapped for a particular beer. I see. Well, which we well, take Rob, a bit too seriously. <laughs> well, Rob, Rob takes a bit too seriously because he was trailing for a long time. And now I think you, you've got to be in the lead now. Unless, unless those ones that Beth nicked off you have uh, kept you behind. Well, po- possibly, but I mean, I'm convinced that you used to sit outside uh, Trembling Madness and wait for the delivery to come in just so you could. 
it, it was just it was just it was just a byproduct. I just happened to fall asleep in the doorway after the show. Where's <laughs> <laughs> the doorway? Yeah. It's a nice doorway though. It's kind of set back so it keeps you out of any rain or anything like that. So it was comfortable. Yeah, Paul Andorff versus Tommy Sharp. This was a match I was I think that I was getting confused with uh, with the opener. It's the jobber entrance for Sharp, as you'd expect. And Paul Arndorf come oh, Arndorf, Paul Arndorf comes out with Bobby Heenan to Hulk Hogan's music that we referenced before, and I was confused as shit. Threw me off, but because he was feuding with Hogan at the time. Yeah, and wait, uh, wait, we got wait, filled wait, in on that. It was a short, sharp match. Um, Unintended. Pardon, very much intended, because Arndorf pile drives sharp and sells it as good as anyone I've seen. I've ever seen. Yeah, that's what stuck in my mind about it as well. The the cell on the pile driver where he's just sort of, you know twitching and and basically making it look like nerve damage. Saying it like Devon used to sell sell a move. Remember how Devon used to take a move and he used to just like get move like he was like he was legit on from death row. <laughs> like he's been electrocuted. Yeah. 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 This was good though. I thought Tommy Sharp did uh, did an excellent job, and and Arndorf had. Had really good heat, you know, when he's mocking Hogan and doing the poses. The amount of amount of signs they had in the crowd. Although it was at this point that I looked at some of the people holding the signs. And I'm sure they've been swapped out from uh, from ones before. I was actually playing conspiracy theorist. I think they had double double sided signs because I saw people spinning them around. And I don't know what you saw, Matt. Well, that's what you got. Well, they they do it all the time. At um, wrestling events, um, when I went to the last show I wasn't working on uh, for CXW, I was front row and I had nine signs with me. Because I didn't think to do them back to back like other people had done in the in the in the, mm. in the in the crowd. So I had two or three, and Jackson Arrow came out, one of the best heels in the business in Britress, and ripped four of my signs up. None of which were about him. Uh, <laughs> I had one for him, but like Jackson screwed Johnny, Johnny Storm, the 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 Wonder Kid, Brit Rest Legend, but didn't rip that one up. Ripped up two about Luna tricks. I had Luna, Luna for Prime Minister because <laughs> the face is Chicago worst job. Her first rule is wine for everybody. I'm like D- done. <laughs> yeah, get my vote. Yeah, I do have Danny. We did have someone in picture in picture. Reading poetry. Apparently, he's a poet laureate. I didn't catch a name because I didn't have time to pause it. Leaping Lanny Potter, uh, the genius. Okay. okay. Randy Savage's shoe brother. Aha. Now I'm with you. Now. I'm yeah. With... Um, I didn't catch much of the poem, but he uh, he, he did have a, a few lines in there. Well, I think one of them was, uh, here's to Mr. Wonderful, your muscles will not last. It's hard to get a workout in, in a full body cast. To be fair, it all rhymes. So it's all good. Yeah, and obviously plays into his uh, his future character in the nineties when he's he's doing that on TV every single week. One thing about this, I always forget looking back at Paul Arndorf just how big he was. Yeah, yeah, he was huge. He looked a million dollars. Sorry, Rob. There was another line in the poem where he was saying, "From now on, save your friendship for the mirror on the wall." And there was an angle in 95 in WCW where he's like staring into the mirror and he sees motivational speaker Gary Spivey. So <laughs> who then follows him around as his, I don't know, manager or 
you know, life coach or whatever. But I, I do wonder now, having seen this, if uh, they, they've seen that poem and were like, right, we're going to uh, put that into care for him. Yeah, it could be. I thought it was like a, a Snow White reference. Well, yeah, but instead of seeing, you know, the, the mirror that's answering the questions, he sees motivational speaker Gary Spivey. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, this this match was good. Again, it was short and sweet, as, as they all were around this time. Great sell of the pile driver and not too intrusive picture in picture. Although I think uh, sound issues at the start of the poem helped with that, to be honest. Yeah, it, it, it got basically what all of the matches on this card did was it got the established star over really well. We had a lot of mechanics in the matches, but that's fine. Yeah, well, even in this one, actually, Sharp got a uh, got a few moves in at the start as well, much to the delight of the crowd. He uh, he yeah. got an arm, he got bombed off with an arm drag, arm drag reversed a hip toss. Even had a little juke and jive after that, so he got a little bit in. But yeah, it was it was functional. I think is the uh, the way to put to put it for every match in this. Like you say, established stars got over, and that's uh, that's what they needed. I, I think Arndos great every time I see him. I think he's sort of maybe yeah. someone I've slept on a bit, but um, especially when we've seen his sort of later work in, in 2000, he's it, always been great. Oh, seen him. Well, see, let's not forget. The old age. Let's not everyone forget that he main evented the first ever WrestleMania and he was there for WrestleMania 30 yeah. as well, which was a really nice moment. He was at 30. He turned at WrestleMania 30 because there were everyone was there for WrestleMania 30 from the main event. Of night one, apart from Jimmy Snooker. For, yeah, obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah, he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember if he was dead by that point. Yeah, he was, was dead just, at that point. He was yeah. just like dementia riddled. No, he was uh, dead at that point. Like, you had you had Hogan, you had uh, Mr. T, you, yes, you oh, had. Was that, the, was that the year of Mr. T's Hall of Fame induction with that 45 minute speech? Probably. Yeah. Probably missed. You had um, Piper there, you had. You had Orndorff and and you obviously oh, who was the ref that night? Muhammad Ali was a special guest. He was on the outside, wasn't he? Yeah, guest ringing out. I think he was on there. Yeah, timekeeper on there. I forget who was the who was the ref, but who was who was there that night was it was a big deal. I know Mean Gene was there for it as well, which was night before he passed away. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bob Orton was there as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. It was a really nice moments in general. That um, the, the, all the all the main people from the match were brought back together for, it, and the, the the crowd at the uh, at the Silver Dome popped really loudly for it. And yes, I'm aware I said it wrong because Hogan did as well that night. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, we then go to another segment, don't we? With um, oh, we're, we're back uh, in satellite base with, with with the worst with the world's worst um, to uh, pay. <laughs> yes. But with Bobby Heenan, um, oh, who, Heenan. Who, who is oh, he is like silk on a microphone, isn't he? he it's nothing he can't he can't spin. Um, he'd been he'd been a great president, I feel. Yeah, I think we've I think we've said that on the show before that Heenan has been a great politician what, because what, it, Heenan what, was doing Heenan was doing at this time exactly what politicians do now. He, one could argue that um, the 45th president of America, I won't say his name, actually based a lot on Bobby Heenan, including his hairstyle. But I did, I did like the fact of, and Graham won't like this, is that he came on and told the rest of the Boston Red Sox. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, but they've won two World Series. Ah, oh, and this is 86, so. Yeah, 
So no, he hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I was gutted that when he was asking him about the Boston Red Sox, Ken Resnick didn't reply that he was a New York Enforcers or a Nevada Hot Dice fan. <laughs> <laughs> we will get back to we will get back to that one day, Rob. I promise. <laughs> the ECW yeah. Roller Jam. I've got nothing else there because I've got to be honest. Healing was just spouting the same stuff about the machines and all that stuff about, about Andre, because obviously Andre was banned from appearing at this time, whatever sort of thing. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll we come back around in, in another conversation with time still. Yeah. But even, even with that, just the end of my notes on this segment, I just, fuck me, Heenan's good. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Even when he got thrown out of WWE, WWE by, um, he, he asked for Gula to throw him out to, to end his career with WWE so he could go to WCW. It, even that was brilliantly done. It was so well done. Yeah. He dressed up as a woman. Is there nothing he wouldn't do? William no. Regal would probably be the closest you get to another because he does. He he gets it. He gets the business. And Heenan was an advocate for Tank Abbott, right? <laughs> which makes him beyond reproach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which 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 is which is a perfect um, transition for for you guys, of course. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know how we'd segue into the next match because Dick Slater versus Jimmy Jack Funk. Yeah, I've got a problem with match. Is it the fact that Dick Slater comes out presented as the baby face with the Confederate flag? Exactly. Yeah, it's not aged well, has it? Aged well. <laughs> aged like milk that was left in the sun in Arizona. I'm trying to think of a. I'm trying to think of an analogy. How it's Sean Astin hasn't aged well. From the Goonies to oh, don't be don't be mean to Bob. I will, I will. Who else hasn't aged well? Michael Jackson's face, the kid from Home Improvement, and I can carry on. <laughs> Vince McMahon's career, yeah, Vince McMahon's career. <laughs> any any number of wrestlers' careers. Did Did you hear that um, thing that he's got in his contract that he can only leave by? Either he chooses to retire, he's incapable of proceeding, or he dies. Those are like the only three options they can get him out. There's no way of. I did see there was also there was something else in his contract. One more lawsuit against him, and he will be terminated. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow! No, and that's from Endeavor. Wow. Which is reason the total line, and why everyone now all of a sudden wants to perk up with it with, with their lawsuits all of a sudden. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a funny one, though, isn't it? Because you've got to think that Vince will be supremely confident that nothing else will catch up with him. Or, or maybe it's no lawsuits after it, you know, that relate to incidents after he signed the contract. Yeah, maybe it might be some caveat like that. Maybe. But, but once again, we're veering off topic, which speaks to the quality of this match. You've got one of the best people ever in the business, Jimmy, Jimmy Hart, is at ringside for this match. And it's the only time I can remember him actually using the megaphone to talk through it. Yeah, it's pretty rare. I can't remember too, I can't remember too many. I think, I think most of them were on entrances in WCW. Yeah, because it's, it's Jimmy... Jack Funk with Hoss, Hoss, Hoss Funk, yeah. Hoss Sorry, Funk Jr. 
former NWA champion. But um, Jimmy Jack Funk isn't a funk. He's like one of these funk brothers off Wish. Yeah. 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 Wearing, wearing Repo Man's eye mask, by the looks yeah. of it. I thought yeah. it was Sorrow. <laughs> and the weird thing is... Did you say Sorrow or Sorrow? Actually, it's okay, so that's whose mask it was. And, and the really weird thing is, is that you had um, Hoff actually tripped Slater. But at the same time, I'm thinking, like, if you trip someone nowadays, you just get sent to the back. Yeah. Yeah. It just yeah. feels feel like an over-the-top disqualification for me. We also had picture in picture again. We had the now late uh, superstar Billy Graham. Rest in peace, recently. Yes, uh, uh, recently, as in last week when as recording. Billy Graham was the blueprint for Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Scott Steiner, and many, many others, just to name a few. And CXW's old flatliner by the look of him. Uh, wouldn't shock you, to be fair. Wouldn't shock you at all. Um, yeah, may Billy Graham rest in peace. Relatively little controversy about him over the years as well, so that's good, he says. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there wasn't as much weirdness as uh, as the week after. No, he didn't, he didn't have a spider over his face. And he didn't have the uh, Jungle Boy by Baltimore theme music this week anyway, so we probably saw the debut of that on the following week's show. But one of the things with Billy Graham is, I guess we never saw that much of him because he was um, involved in the steroid trial and he was very publicly speaking out about the the ill effects of what they'd made him do in wrestling. WWE didn't want to engage with him, which which is a massive shame because, you know, he was a massive part of the business and they kind of whitewashed that out of history. Yeah, He, he should have been a megastar rather than a superstar. Really? Oh yeah, I mean they should have been wheeling him out for you know the, these legend spots that you know they keep they keep wheeling the same people out for. Yeah, they really should. And it was one of the less intrusive picture-in-pictures here as well. It was a, like Matt said, it was a bit of an odd DQ finish, but yeah, it was it was just hard to get my head round a uh, a guy with a Confederate flag being a baby face. <laughs> Jimmy Hart was also. Um sort of humming Dixie through his megaphone as well. So was this, um, you know, two people with Confederate leanings in the match? I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Dick Slater hit a pretty good Russian leg sweep. I do remember that from the match. No, it wasn't. He didn't hook his leg. Yeah, it looked good. It, he sold it really well, but he didn't actually hook his leg around at any point. He literally just, like, stepped across him. And literally, like, worse than Rock does for his sharpshooter, he, he stepped across and then just, like, fell backwards. I mean, he sold it really, really well, to be fair, but it was it was not good. I didn't notice it in the don't moment. Don't kid yourself. I, I couldn't see it for the picture-in-picture. Picture. I don't know how you guys got such a great image of it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be brutally I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I wasn't watching the picture-in-picture because picture Billy Graham says the same stuff all the time, basically. So it's just rah, 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 spiders, spiders, spiders. So uh, <laughs> I... I being chased by spiders. <laughs> so if, if, if we title we oh, these episodes, it would be called rah, 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 spiders, spiders, spiders. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, so yeah, odd DQ. Uh, so boo that the uh, the guy who was proudly saying that he was a fav- in favour of the Confederacy. 
Um, go fuck yourself. I don't think you can say fairer than that. And uh, next up, we're in the we're in the flower shop with adorable Adrian Adonis. Yeah. Adonis. Now, I've written down here, and I didn't know. And we now now I know that the one that we actually did last series was the state was actually episode after this. Explains why. I'm sure we saw the exact same segment in the last one we recorded because it was exactly the same segment. Yeah, I th- I think we just saw a repeat of it on the following yeah. week. So yeah, if you want to hear our thoughts on that, go and listen to the first episode of <laughs> UTT Season 2, Superstars of Wrestling. It was ridiculous how it was exactly. It's like, it's word for word, same thing. And like, have you got something in and out? Like, I've seen this before. Andre's going to walk in and he's going to walk out again. He does. I still <laughs> found it funny. It was funny. Like, it was very, <laughs> it was very entertaining. It was, it, it, but the fact that he and played out just so well, all right. But how did I not know that sort of thing? Well, it's funny you should mention how did I not know that because I don't think we need to linger too much longer on the flower show, but the next segment, I didn't know that this was how we got King Harley Race. So it was a filling in a gap in my knowledge. Well, he had won the King of the Ring tournament um, just before this. Was that that a shoot King of the Ring win or was it like uh, Patterson winning in Rio? They actually had a real King of the Ring tournament. Yeah. Okay. And he actually won it. Yeah, an actual legit one. He actually won. He actually is the first ever King of the Ring. He beat um, Don Morocco in the final. Oh wait, yes, I think I do remember hearing about that. Now the fact is that they had the ring full of everyone on the roster, more or less, apart from Hulk. Who couldn't uh, be showing up? So, oh, was that, well, that was there, but they had they had Blassie was in the ring. Um, Orndorff, I think, was there. Orndorff, the Sheik. They had people, recognisable people for sure. Um, Volkov, loads of people in the ring. That's a good look at the crown. And a good look at, I guess, the king. Only then can the man be worthy of the title, the king of all professional wrestling. I crown you, and you only, the true king of professional wrestling. And from this day forth, you will give new meaning to the throne. Handsome Harley Race, the king of professional wrestling, is how you will be known the king. Handsome There was someone else in the ring, though, Matt, that actually got cut out of the presentation that went on TV. Oh. There's a, a bit that's missing. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Let me tell you something, Cole. You better booker it better. That noise right there means it's time for Steve-O to booker it better. I guess. What the hell is going on, Michael Cole? What the hell is going on? And it's not even Michael Cole commentating. It's Vince Kennedy McMahon. What the hell is going on? I'm the only king. King Booker. 
And like I said, I can't even remember when I was the king. Was it 2007? 2008? I don't know. Maybe Steve-O could do a history lesson on King Booker. Well, let me tell you something, Vince. This ain't happening. This ain't happening at all. Harley Race? That's a motorbike, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. This ain't happening, man. I was crowned the king. The king of WWE and this guy. Who the hell are you? What the hell is going on? Now my voice is breaking and I can't do any more. Now can you dig that? Sucker! <laughs> so, so that's what actually happened at the event before Harley Race came out. Right. <laughs> you, you are aware of how much I despise Booker T on commentary, right? <laughs> about, the same, about as much as I do. Seriously. Yeah, Booker T on commentary awful. Yeah, absolutely awful. And also, he should have gone more Booker! As well. It's Booker. Ka, ka, ka. But anyway, I, I never like I never liked the King Booker gimmick either. No, it was odd, but it was what it was. You know, he did he did deserve his sixth title reign, obviously, but it you know it could be better about it for sure. It was wonderful that they were all in the ring though, because they had an amazing payday for everybody that day. <laughs> everyone was there for it, so that's a lot of paydays. But probably if everybody was there for different you know, recordings, it was easy to get together because they were already there. So thinking about it, it makes sense. It threw me, though, because this was a coronation, and I heard Jerry the King Lawler's music come out. Yeah, yeah, so I, I think so that... That threw me, I was that... like, Jerry Lawler? What? Yeah. <laughs> How old is this? <laughs> it threw me off completely. Yeah, so, so it's it's Jerry Lawler using Harley Race's music, which we never think about. Well, this is the thing you say, I think. It's like when I was on that aff- aforementioned quiz show... And we were asked to, and we were played medal by Kurt, for Kurt Angle. And we were asked to name three people who've used that wrestling song as the entry music. So, obviously, the answers are Patriot, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Kurt Angle, and one other. Now, World's greatest tag team. Well, this is the thing you see. I, we, we were said that we were asked to name three people who used it as their entrance music. I said Kurt Angle, Charlie Haas, and Sean Benjamin. Mm. That's totally legit, man. I wasn't given the points for it. That's bullshit. Outrageous. Mm. Yeah, it's Iron Slaughter, I believe, used it as well. Oh. I think I think it was Slaughter. Pa- the Patriot, Slaughter, and... I could be wrong on that side of things. But in, in any case, um, yeah, pe- they do recycle people's theme songs. After all, this fire which Punk used for a while, for a while in WWE, that was originally for Andy Orton. It was, yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest one is um, Goldberg's was Pat Tanaka's when he was a, a jobber in WCW. <laughs> yeah. And Tank Abbott did it better anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Tank Abbott used the Goldberg thing. This segment was what it was. It was a bit of uh, a bit of wrestling history, I suppose, and Harley Race had his purple robe, and they even they even rolled out a scroll for Heenan to read from. He did, and Heenan got all of them to applaud the whole lot. Yeah. I did like it when he says it eclipsed royal weddings and inaugurations, and how it's the most important coronation in the history of the world. And I agree. Yeah, 
can I say, I'm not, I, the, thing about, the thing about it is, is that I'm fully aware we're not being political here, okay? But a question I have for you is, Dan clearly is not a fan of the royal family, for, for his own reasons, and that's fine. Did you take the holiday off still? No, I worked it. That's a really unfair question, Matt, because he barely works on a normal day. <laughs> if you recognise the bank, if you recognise the bank holiday for it, you can't. Then you've got to accept the monarchy. That's my purpose. I don't, I, don't, I don't take any bank holidays off. There's very little difference between Dan on a working day and Dan on a non-working my day. My argument has always been the case of if you acknowledge if you acknowledge the bank holiday that recognises them, then uh, you've got to acknowledge them as being the people in charge. That's my personal opinion, and we'll move on. Right. Okay. Abolish so, the monarchy, they're all fucking leeches. Anyway. We're moving on. We're not moving on. We're going to talk about Harley Race being carried out by King Kong, Bundy and Ronstud. Do we have to? No, that was just what happened. Um, <laughs> I just, it just needed saying. <laughs> yeah. um, you think with the big crown on his head and the cape that he looked like he had really little legs when he was just there? And, he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you not think that crown looked about about two sizes too small for his head? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah they they screwed it on like they did with King Charles. <laughs> well, no, didn't watch it. Next up, uh, Matt quite rightly says it's a tag match. The uh, the powerhouse tag team of Gino Carabello and Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn Brawler, mm-hmm. against a tag team I never knew existed, American Express, uh, which aren't just a credit card. It's a Dan Spivey and Mike Rotunda. See, now thanks to Dan saying, not Dan, Rob saying that, all I've got in my head now is the meme of, of, of King Charles entering the cathedral to Triple H's King of Kings song, which is what I thought, which I thought for, for days afterwards on everywhere. So thanks for that. Thanks for that, Rob. <laughs> Problem, no problem. I, I, I just keep having the um, uh, thing from. Have you seen the South Park Prince Harry and Meghan Markle episode that they did? Yes, 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 yes. Just, yes. Just with Ike crying about the Queen being dead. <laughs> it's like it's six months. I think. Scarily accurate. Scarily accurate. Right. Um, yeah. This was a. This was a. a, a, a they say it was a fine match. It was, it was a match that happened. It was the longest match on the card. It was. Four and a half minutes. Which <sighs> I know. I know. As I say, the culmination was the longest thing on the show. It felt every second of it. <laughs> it did. <laughs> I would prefer the actual coronation to, to have you know, been a similar sort of length because it did drag on a bit, to be fair. Indeed. And we had, we had another picture-in-picture. Picture. Um, we had Roddy Piper whinging about not being allowed to be on the flower shop. But he will be on the flower shop, guaranteed next week. And every time, well, I, every every time I see Piper's a good time. And he comes out next week, and he's the demo god as well, isn't he? So yeah, another gimmick <laughs> being stolen. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, we do get the win for the American Express. But I will say though, the the, the, um, the oh, I'm calling the Brooklyn Ball. I call it called a spade a spade. His team does get some offense in. Yeah, it's a much more equal match than uh, yeah. than the others we've seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, American Express, they're, they're trying for the, you know, for the uh, for the Americana face pop, and, and they get it to a degree. Spivey and Rotunda. Some USA charge, but the fact that the book can board on the other side from yeah. The, but they are going to be better to, to get the American Express over because they're facing a heart foundation for the tag titles at the Boston Center. Is it Boston Garden? I think it's Boston Garden. 
at a Boston yeah. Garden. So yeah, just uh, just funny that Mike Rotunda went from being named after in a tag team named after a credit card to collecting taxes. Oh, it was right. all about the financial gimmicks. Absolutely, and uh, we did get the running bulldog. So basically, Trish Stratus took a legendary tag team finisher. Well, I was because Bo Dallas used to do that as well, and watching this watching this match. I thought there was a lot that Bo Dallas potentially took from Spivey rather than his dad. <laughs> so, dad, you were great and all that, but but your tag team partner, the whole, the whole big Dan there, he was pretty bloody good. <laughs> yeah, your tag team partner, no, not the one you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but, I, mean I've, I mean, looking at Rotunda, and you look at when he was on the, on the 15th anniversary of Raw for that Battle Royal, uh, and IRS won it. Uh, five oh, God, Scotty, yeah. Scotty hit the worm and everything. Steve Blackman was in that rumble. Oh, legend. Yeah, I, I don't see the I, I love Steve Blackman, don't get me wrong, but what was the point of him? It, it was it was hard and he had sticks. Yeah, but he never wrestled for, for a big championship. The hardcore title, I'll have you know. <laughs> I, I respect the hardcore champion. I want that on my wall. Okay, I legitimately want that championship belt, but Chris says we have to pay for a honeymoon and pay for rent. No <laughs> priorities. Come on. Yeah, you know, so, but yeah, it is what it is. But see, Blackman, he needs he never turned for a championship. It was it felt wasted. It it did, but certainly years ago, and, and maybe it was a bit past this by the time Blackman was uh, around, you, you could have very credible careers and, and not necessarily be in the championship picture. Well, he was going to be, he was being called up to take Shane's place in the 99 King of the Ring main event. And then didn't, and from then, he never main evented again, apart from in the Royal Rumble matches. But IRS, getting back to the point I was talking about, IRS won the Battle Royal um, for, for, for the, for the uh, thing, and then DBS comes out and then puts a lot of money into his briefcase, and IRS just knows himself <laughs> and gives DBS the win. All about money. Everybody's got a prize. Mm, apparently, uh, even Ted DBS, seeing as he's about to be facing about 30 to 40 years in jail. Well, yeah, but that's uh, again, that's that's very dicey, dicey ground while investigations are trials are still ongoing. Indeed, indeed. As um, as my, I believe my lawyer may be shouting at me, Michael Pellegrini from a Good Cop Bad Cop Racing podcast, may be <laughs> shouting at me, saying like, "Matt, this is still ongoing." Like, it doesn't look good. <laughs> it does not look good yeah. at all. But back to this match, it was a perfectly serviceable TV main event for the time. Nothing much wrong with it. Nothing massively memorable for me. It was solidly enough executed. With you know, I, I don't know much about Gino Carabello, but certainly the the other three in the match are good, solid hands. So I don't know if you had anything more to add. Rob. We saw Gino power Rotunda into the corner with his head in a very Tank Abbott-esque move. We did. I forgot. I nearly forgot about that. Yeah, uh, I, I believe Tank taught him that that year. Because uh, Tank was uh, was an, an uncredited trainer for WWF. Yeah, and later on, Gino had to steal that briefcase from IRS to pay him back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has a price for the million-dollar man. Everybody owes Tank Abbott money. Exactly. Exactly. Tank Abbott's in a tax bracket so high that the government have to pay him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And then for the last time, we're back... 
we've, satellite base. We've, Frank, we've had haircut for the machines being interviewed. One who can't actually say any English and just says Arriba, which actually is, is Spanish. Oh, no, he also he also said uh, Toyota and Honda. Mm. Yeah. He said Konnichiwa, which is hello, which is legitimate. Um, Japanese, yeah. Oh, and Akiba, which um, is, mm, mm, no, uh, it's not in that context anyway. I'm just glad he didn't. I didn't go to get a hentai, is what I'm saying for that man. <laughs> yeah, these. I think we, we covered this in we covered this in the uh, in the superstars of wrestling episode. It's not great. <laughs> it's it's borderline racist at times. I think it pretty much is racist because you've got Bill Eady there trying to put the accent on and and all the rest of it as a super machine, and it's just not working. Not really, is it? And then the show concludes after that, doesn't it? Pretty much, we actually cut yeah. because age because Adrian Adonis basically wanders up to Vince McMahon and Bruno San Martino, who are talking about the next week's show, whingy about Roddy Piper rocking up. Yeah. I can come out when he says I say he can when I say he can come out. Then don't give him an open invitation. Yeah, Adrian Adonis whinges about the consequences of his actions. <laughs> in all fairness, Adrian Adonis won because he then went back and haunted uh, Roddy Piper after he died. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, I can't haunt Roddy Piper. <laughs> yeah, he's dead now. We can't vouch for this. This is, all, this is, this is libel. <laughs> so, oh, they, they may be both haunting the same place now. Haunting each other. Possible. Yeah, but after that show that started with the Hulk Hogan montage, we find out the real main event is Roddy Piper and Adrian Adonis arguing about who can go on a, a chat show on a wrestling show. Let's not forget that we basically had a match between Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles recently on, on SmackDown to see who's going to turn up on the Grayson Water effect. Oh, yeah. That did happen. It did happen. Of course, they also were fighting a face set for inside Arabia. Which in itself is amazing, the fact of of how much better things are there. Long way to go still. Long way to go still before Saturday is an okay place to be, of course. But mm. compared to what it was five, six years ago, it's improved for the better. It needs to go a bit lot, lot further still, but it's improved. We've got women on the card now. Three women's matches. Three women's matches, yeah. Two of the title matches as well, which are the easiest matches to predict. Yes, <laughs> they, they really are. Um, the context, the, if you're listening to it, this is obviously to be way after the fact, obviously. Oh, this will, um, be, this will be in time for next year's Night of Champions in Jeddah. It was Rhea Ripley versus Natalia and um, Bianca, Bella, Bianca Bella versus Asuka and Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch, which should have been a SummerSlam match, in my opinion, but what do I know? Yeah. Well, what, what, what do any of us know? Well, it could still be. It could still be because they might be doing the whole. Uh, yes, please uh, not. If Trish wins, then uh, Becky will be trying to get a win back. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. But the thing, I don't know how we got onto that from it, from where we were. Either. Because we were finishing up about a, a less than enthralling episode of WWF it's, television from the nineteen eighty six. I've got to say, watching this, I'm very grateful that Monday Night Raw isn't quite as bad anymore. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> People who complain about Monday Night Raw or AEW Dynamite, go back and look at this. Go back and look at this and be grateful. Well, indeed. 
before we get to the rating for the show overall and the awards section, I spotted a couple of advertising hoardings in the arena, which counts as adverts to me. So yeah. I saw one for Budweiser and one for the New York Knicks. I don't know if um, either of you spotted any others. I didn't even spot those ones. I missed those, I'm afraid. I did miss them. I'm so sorry. No, it's not no problem. So in terms of shout-outs that we've had for the show, got a, a regular now shout-out from the uh, Work in Progress podcast and uh, um, Glenn uh, separately as well. So thank you very much for that, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, again, from the guys at the High, Marking Out with High Five Tom podcast, Andy from Bam Bam Podcasts had a, uh, a man with a, some tinfoil on his head while, while I was explaining my theory about uh, getting Joe Gacy and the schism involved in <laughs> the Bloodline story. <laughs> Literally, Eva Rain is some of the Rock's daughter, so if you want to bring the Rock in, it, it does work. It makes emotional sense. And, yeah, Tack Brown has posted a picture of uh, what actually happened when I was explaining it to him, and uh, it's uh, a guy with, you know, crazy string going uh, between all the different stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Although Tack did say that he had a blast recording with us, so uh, it was great to get Tack on the show and uh, always great to hear from him. Yeah, really, it's always a blast with Tack. And it's been too long since, uh, since I've been to a show with him. I need to rectify that. And, of course, we obviously plug you guys every week on Good Cop, Bad Cop. Yes, thank, thank you very much for that, and thank you for the support. It's, uh... Well, it's, 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 not, it's literally nothing, because you guys help make the fan-con moments. And out there, you're listening to this show, if you're not taking part in fan-con moments, do get involved. Follow the follow, follow tweet every Thursday, Friday, from, from the at Good Bad Wrestle account. We will be happy to read out your good and bad cop moments of the week, and sometimes things like sad cop moments, or... <laughs> Mid-wrestling roundup moments or WTF cop moments. Sometimes you, you guys created them ones. So, that's so it. as this show will go out weeks after uh, your latest recording, uh, did Graham actually listen to Giant Haystack's Christmas single? He didn't even see that you had tagged it after <laughs> it. So oh, I had, but, but I did show him it on recording. So he is adding it to his playlist. Apparently, fantastic. Excellent. It's not on Spotify, unfortunately. But. No, but he can always rip that off there somehow and, and add it to an offline list for himself. So, be fine. Excellent. Well, we, we may be using that for an upcoming project, so uh, keep, keep an eye on that. Looking forward to it. Excellent. So, um, the award section of the showdown. Oh, yeah, I've got stuff to do. Um, <laughs> so, first up is the award for Match of the Night. Matt, who is who got your Match of the Night? Well, this is like this is like choosing between which one of you is better looking. Difficult, difficult because it's all terrible. I say that with, with absolute love, but my husband's standing right behind me. So, <laughs> um, to be honest, I will be. I am going to go for. Um, I'm going to go for the opener actually, because I've, I actually like the match, man. Fair enough. I can't give it to anybody else because it wasn't long enough. Fair enough. Uh, Rob, who gets your match of the night? Uh, I'm going to give it to the main event tag match because it, it was a shade longer than everything else. Yeah, and the, it was a little bit, a little bit more than for the jobbers to get in there. So, yeah, it, not not stellar wrestling on the show though, was it? No, no, it wasn't. And but somehow we've managed to get three uh, three different matches for match of the night because I'm going with Paul Arndorf, uh versus Tommy Sharp, and it's mainly for. For the way Sharp stole that pile driver, if I'm honest. 
It was good sales, to be fair. Yeah, that's a good for that. Uh, so next up is MVP of the night. Matt, who's your MVP? MVP, Bruno Sammartino. Yep, can't fault that pick. He was great when he managed to get a word in edgewise. Uh, Rob, who gets yours? Uh, I'm going for Savage. He did decent performance in a squash match, and we had the uh, the promo from him, obviously with his uh, George oh. Animal Steel angle. So putting double G that night as well. He was. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we've we've managed to get three different views again. I've gone for Bobby Heenan uh, because he had uh, he had the interview segment, he had the coronation, and he had the uh, the. The segment with the uh, flower uh, the flower shop as well. Uh, so you know, sprinkled throughout the show, and he, he just he had, never puts he a foot wrong. If, if rumours are to be believed, <laughs> it's indeed. Uh, next up is moment of the night. Matt, what was your moment? Moment of the night was, uh, oh, I'm going to say this with love and affection. I really do mean this. Not mean to sound like an absolute dick, but it had to be the part where they cut away from from the uh, from the honky tonk man. Um, because it was just like what? <laughs> well, do you know what? I'm going to agree agree with you, but they cut away from it. It was just brilliant. It was it was like Kevin Dunn put on Ban. I'm going to agree with you, but with no love and affection, because I fucking hate the honky tonk man. So I'm glad he got cut off. Fair enough. Rob, is it a clean sweep? Uh, no, I'm going to go for the coronation just because it, it is kind of a, a an historic moment, which we should probably get more replays of uh, you know, in current wrestling when they're, when they're doing the retrospectives. Yeah. And they're done. They don't even touch on it, do they? They touch on people like Austin and when Triple H won it and Mabel. But they don't touch, <laughs> no. they don't touch on, on, the, on the man who started it all. Well, when they whip it off YouTube and clean it up, they might start doing <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. The only footage you can have had the tracking uh, on oh, it. I love that tracking. I know I've mentioned it twice now, but I enjoyed it. It felt all nostalgic. And I've got to be honest, full disclosure, I changed my pick on the fly. Uh, I was going to pick the coronation, but uh, in the end, my hatred of, uh, of Honky Tonk took over. Can, uh, I change, can I change my pick on the fly to the tracking being, being, being a regular occurrence? Yes, you can, because <laughs> then it'll be a clean sweep. <laughs> Well, that could be the sign of the night, the tracking sign at the corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of those, did anybody else uh, notice? Did anybody notice any other signs? Because I've got a favourite, but Matt, what got your sign of the night? My one would be I like the one about Elizabeth and George. But which one? Was it the one with the picture of George? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I did like that one. I did like that one. That was good. Too creative, oh. Some creative sign making, yeah, guys, for sure. Yeah, it, I'm going for that one. It, it almost looked like uh, George was going to lick Liz the way they'd done that collage. And I think yeah. she, I think he would have done as well because he was much a licky person, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he was a bit. Um, sadly, it's not a clean sweep because I've decided to go for the sign that I spotted that simply said, Paul Arndorf is a bum. Oh, that's not true. No, but it made me laugh because it had the word bum on it. <laughs> and we are 50, and we are five. Yeah. All men are five years old inside because let's face it, we don't get old. We don't get older. Our toys get more expensive. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. This is the part that is now becoming tradition, where I forget to tell people that we've got a new award called the Tory Wilson Award. Uh, so sorry, Matt. You might have to think on the fly with this one. Uh, but we're distinguishing now the Tory Wilson Award is for the best haircut of the night, and the Rene Goulet is for the most outstanding or I suppose outlandish haircut of the night. 
So can you think on the fly or do you want Rob to go first? Oh, it's absolutely that, right, and that interview at backstage for sure. <laughs> is, that for the Tory, is that for the Tory Wilson? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fair Rob. enough. Uh, Rob? Wait, can I just check that, Matt? You, you're giving Ken Resnick the objectively best haircut of the night without any irony. It's the best because it's the worst. It's one I remembered more than any other. Yeah, uh, and it's going to go back in his box tonight. Um, <laughs> now, I think that under that hat, Billy Jack Haynes had an amazing head of hair. You could sort of see it under there. It was uh, well-maintained. I'm going for uh, Billy Jack Haynes for the Tory Wilson Award. Fair enough. Uh, we've got, we're getting three different ones again uh, because I've given my Tory Wilson Award to Vince McMahon's Lego hair because that thing had not moved for three years and wouldn't move for ten more. <laughs> borrowed it off Big McManus. Two of the shaved off for me to free. Yeah. Uh, so finally, the most important award of the night, the René Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night. Matt, who gets your René Goulet? For Outstanding Hair, that has to go to George the Animal Steel's back. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is getting worried now because that's, on, that's mine as well. <laughs> George Steele's back hair gets that, the uh, gets the Rene Goulet. That is in my head because after mentioning CXW, it will be it will now be out on the CXW YouTube channel for free uh, at this point when this comes out. We have a the first ever. I've forgotten how you pronounce this, Dan, for a uh, a, a steak a steak match. Lucha de Apuestas. Thank you. Uh, it is officially one of those. It is mustache versus back hair. Mr. Tim Black making his debut, putting his wonderful handlebar moustache on the line against Victor Logan's back hair. He is from the Isle of Wight, from OPW, and he literally is the hairiest man I've ever seen, more even than Animal Steel. Um, wow. and the winner of the raffle at CW that night will be shaving their hair. <laughs> Inside. So well, it's, well, either, it's either a quality moustache or a man who's permanently wearing a jumper. And the winner of Raf, and you also get to take home the hair. Is that a prize or a punishment? Eh, depends on the point of view, I suppose. Fair well, enough. We know a man who wins the raffle every time he goes to the wrestling, so... Uh, we yeah, we'll, so we'll send Ben down. <laughs> we don't kink shame. We don't kink shame, of course. Uh, I will point out that at the last event at um, Let's Have It, first prize was to commentate with me on a match. Is, again, is that is that a prize or a punishment? And Matt leaves the chat. A nine-year-old kid won it, and he was sitting in the back row last time as well. And he uh, he won front row seats for the next event and a chance to call a wrestling match. I mean, for nine odds, brilliant. Nine odds, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but Rob, who gets your Rene Goulet? More importantly, well, I was going to give it to Dan Spivey because it, it actually is a pretty Rene Goulet esque haircut. Um, it really was. You know, fairness, uh, he's channeling the Goulet there. But you've both changed one of your picks on the fly. So I think it's only fair that I change this on the fly to George the Animal Steals back hair. And, we'll get <laughs> and, and do you know what? It's the right result. It is the right result, for sure. Yeah. Bless George Steele. And his welcome out of the back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So last thing, well, I, said, I always do this, I always say it's the last thing to do, but the penultimate thing to do is to rate the show out of 10. Uh, Matt, your rating, please. It's a four, and I'm being generous. That's fair enough. Yeah, I get that, Rob. I, I was really on the fence with this one, and I think I'm going to give it an on-the-fence rating of a five. And I guess the reason that it, that it doesn't slip down to the far territory is just because because of the having the coronation on and it being a pivotal moment mm. and an overlooked pivotal moment. So it wasn't a great show, but it was a pivotal moment. And, and I'm glad we um, covered it to uh, dovetail the superstars of wrestling yeah. <laughs> in the wrong order. <laughs> well, and that's just typical of us, isn't it? Well, I was on the same wavelength as you really, Rob. It's not a show I would ever rush back to watch, but at the same time, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be too fussed if somebody said, if I put it on for, and you know, it's 45 minutes and, and it's done. And like I say, it's got that little bit of history to it. So not the worst thing we've ever, we've ever seen, far from the best. It, it's only seen is, is mediocrity, I suppose, and a couple of ropey bits and, and aging very poorly <laughs> in certain aspects. But yeah, it was what it was really, wasn't it? So... Now, if they'd had people skating round Ken Resnick while he was making his advertisements. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a guy who's, who's many times smaller than Goldberg, but who looks a bit like Goldberg and thinks he's hard. Matt D'Amato. That, that's him, Matt D'Amato, yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was WWF Championship Wrestling, the final episode. Matt, do you want to do your pluggy bits and let people know where they can find you? And also, I have to say again, thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. As always, I can't wait to come back for a hat trick at some point in the future. You can find me at Amatech UK on Twitter. You can find me every Sunday on Good Cop Bad Cop Wrestling Podcast on Visual Global Media. Find that via at Good Bad Wrestle. Loads of great shows over there. You've got JGB with the baseball stuff. Nine years old, and he's got his own podcast, putting all of us to shame. You've got um, Phoenix Splash with one half of the Brainbuster Boys and one third of Band from Ringside, both of which are on VGM as well. I don't know what else to say apart from check out all the, all the Game Junkie stuff, Chris Talks Game as well, and also all of our D&D stuff at Dungeon Junkies. Uh, we appreciate all everyone who gets involved with everything, and including you two fine gentlemen. Um, thank you for everything, all the support you've given us over the years. Yeah, far too kind, mate. And again, like Rob said earlier, thank you for all the support. Uh, good cop, bad cop throws our way as well. It's it's brilliant. Uh, as is becoming tradition now, I'll get my plugs out the way and get let Rob do the more professional ones for the uh, for the show itself. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm there at Dan Griffin Twenty One. Usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are twenty five years out of date. And if you want to hear more of me talking about stuff, I'm over on the SJP World Media Network with Cy Powell on the Doctor Who Pod, where we look at one episode or serial per Doctor per series to see what lands for me as a new Who fan with the classic stuff and the reverse for Cy, and we have many fine guests on, such as the two gentlemen joining me today, who've, uh, who've, who were, I think, in our, in, who were in our first run of guests. And uh, as has been well documented, uh, me and Rob were left unsupervised and took over the show. I haven't forgiven you for saying Katie Manning and Joe Grant isn't the best companion yet, either. I don't remember saying it.
Oh, oh you, <laughs> at many times you have talk, you have said that Joe Grant is not amazing and she's ditzy and if I never, I'm like, she's meant to be. We give yes. we give him our give him our credit on on the latest episode. I uh, we'll see about that when it come when when we come when it when it come back to me being back on the show. I got some belters for you. <laughs> well, listen to that coming up for uh, when we're in there for season five or, or by this. No, it, yeah, we're we'll still be in season four by the time this drops. Uh, but like I said, for the more professional outro, over to Rob. Oh, I was just going to say that that they they basically booked her as the anti Liz Shaw, didn't they? That that was uh, uh, Joe, Joe Grant's role. So yeah, I have yeah. to take it as I see it. You got to blame Cy for going along with my bullshit. Yeah, and you can't blame Drunk Dan. <laughs> I can, I have, I will. No, no, because no, it was sober, Dan. <laughs> yeah. So you can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers. So I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back on the same channel that you're listening to us. You can hear the One Man's Meet podcast with Danny at Scottish Juggalo and the real Chris Bellis, and they're going through forgotten storylines of wrestling. Wrestlers might not get that much love, that kind of thing. They currently have a pint-sized project called Cuts, where they're looking at every episode of Wrestle Society X and Wrestle Society Extra. Sort of 20-minute, half-an-hour shows, really easy to digest and get involved with. And you can actually watch the original shows uh, along with it, which is the same sort of length, so it won't take uh, much time to do that. As well, we've got our own uh, side project, uh, which is coming to um, an end unfortunately because we're, we're uh, almost covered everything uh, on booking the tankatory where we're following the ups and downs of the in-ring career of legitimately the hardest man that ever lived one david tank abbott and if you go to the twitter for that at utt tank you can get some hashtag tank facts such as tank abbott once made a paper airplane break the sound barrier it's true he didn't even throw it as hard as he could either no, no, he didn't. And Andy made it out of tissue paper. Yeah. Hot on the heels of the Times printing a rich list of people that didn't inherit the wealth. Tank Abbott didn't inherit his wealth. He punched a lot of people and went to a lot of pay windows. Yeah. And whether he was whether he was booked there or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. You've got to pay a tank a tank tax, haven't you? That's the yeah, exactly. You can't just expect to uh, to work for free. The, the man invented punching. Exactly. And lions don't concern themselves with the opinions of sheep, but they are terrified about what Tank Abbott might be thinking. And now we all. <laughs> and that bombshell. Yeah. <laughs> well, just before we go out, uh, that would have been a good place to leave, but we do have another uh, side project on putting the territory where we're taking a sporting presentation view of the only time that a professional wrestling championship ever changed by a legitimate sporting competition. It's the Being the Elite Gator Golf Series, and we're getting very involved with that, and we want VAR for Gator Golf, don't we, Dan? I think it's absolutely necessary. There has been some absolute bullshit, corrupt officiating in that tournament. Yeah, yeah. Matt Jackson's running a very sloppy ship over there. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it from? Who'd have thunk it from somebody so heavily involved in AEW? Exactly, exactly. But we're having a lot of fun uh, going through that. Uh, I didn't mention at the time, uh, just before we leave, uh, no one's rated this show on Cage Match. So, you know, if, if you want to get on and put a, a decent rating on there, uh, you, you'll offset our votes. <laughs> if you want to put an, a, a good rating on there, we will, we, we will find you and we will kill you. <laughs> I will have, we'll have Chris Bellis do a, 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 bad imp- a bad impression of you on uh, on One Man's Meat. 
That'll do as well. Exactly. So, um, are we going to the project that we've supposedly been going to for the last two weeks? We haven't got to yet, Dan. Uh, yes, next week, as far as I'm aware, and barring any unforeseen uh, ailments or, or accidents or circumstances, next week we're doing our very first, uh, I suppose we could call it Superstar Spotlight, and we're going to be looking at many different matches, first and last, of one Shawn Michaels with Star Powell. Oh, wonderful! You're going to have you're going to be in for a treat. And I've already watched the matches. You're part right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, second, the last one is not so good. <laughs> don't, don't set me off. I need to save it for next week. I, I can't get into that now. Fans at home, you're in for a treat. <laughs> I, I, I've been bursting to get my mid-south opinions out for the last two weeks. <laughs> Rob's watched six years' worth already. <laughs> oh, dear. And with Rob bursting at the seams and me just in fear of what I'll have to talk about, thank you for listening. We're out of here. Recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment.